Holy Father, bless us with the Holy Spirit in this moment, in this hour. Forgive the sins of the man who speaks, for there are many. Forgive us all so we can hear. Equip us to hear. Equip me to speak, Holy Spirit. For we have prayed it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. The scripture for today is from John chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think with the, with the end of the Star Wars uh, trilogy of trilogies, trilogy, well, I'm sure there's a word for it, uh, the trilogy of trilogies, I, I've, been, I've been kind of encouraged. I, I thought I should go back. I don't know why I thought that. I thought maybe Maybe there's something I missed, you know, maybe, maybe if I could revisit the saga again, it will redeem itself yet again. And it didn't, but that's fine. Especially the first trilogy. I'm always kind of grumbling, but visually, visually, the first verse of the movies uh, are stunning. They really, they really went all out and they, they paint, uh, they paint uh, something that I, I'm kind of a science fiction uh, geek and and they really paint a beautiful picture. Coruscant is this is a planet that's an entire city. It's an entire city, and actually that's borrowed from Isaac Asimov. If you know Asimov's Trantor and and uh, the Foundation trilogy, this idea of the hub of a galactic empire being an entire city, and and the CGI is just phenomenal. And and I and I remember, and it's kind of exciting to watch. You know, you see, and one of the things you see, and one of the things that's constantly a part of the story, is. Uh, is, are these flying ships everywhere. And in fact, if you, I, I noticed this very, very, uh, there's an orderly traffic going on in the skies. I don't even remember this, but there'll be lanes of all these 
uh, sky ships, I guess all these different kinds of, of uh, spacecraft, etc., are all flying orderly fashion in different lanes across the sky, and, and it's just kind of amazing. But at the same time as I was watching that, I happened to be uh, watching some, um, some of that PBS space time I keep telling you all about. I think you should all PBS uh, stuff. And that, that they're producing this scientific stuff they're producing on YouTube. And battery technology is, 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 is nascent. It's really, it's on the edge of maybe being amazing you know, where, where uh, portable energy will, will, be, uh, will be a thing that's immediately available, inexhaustible. Uh, portable energy. It's kind of a dream. Because if we could do that, then, then the Star Wars image of this far, this galaxy far away, far ago, but really a long time ago, but it's obviously a future vision as well. But the, the image you don't realize when you're watching it is that the premise of that activity, and the fact that the heroes jump into a, a, a little ship and never check to see if the fuel <laughs> is full, and never have to, they never have to worry if, if they have enough fuel or enough energy to get somewhere, is the premise is inexhaustible energy. Inexhaustible, constant, available energy. And that is quite a fantasy. It really is. It's not, it's not something we ever could really hope for. It's a, it's, or if we can, it's just far, far in the future. But that's the premise that you don't really see you're not really aware of when, you, when you're watching it, is that the only way this works, and those of you are not science fiction nuts, the only way that you can capture this, the only way this works is if you have cars that never, ever die. And you have vehicles and machines that have inexhaustible energy. You never see R2-D2 plugged into anything, do you? you know, it's just inexhaustible energy. Now, that's a fantasy for, for the world. In this odd way, this odd twist, and this odd reality in, our, in the premise of our, of our faith is just such an energy in a person called the Holy Spirit. And, and in fact, it, it just occurs to me that the fantasy and the yearning is for something that you never have to worry about running out. You never have to be concerned that it won't be there. You never have to worry that, 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 you're, that it won't start in some sense, you know, that, that your life won't start. And we have that. We have that on display. We have that as a trust to us in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and there's a sense this is that, that, that the reality that, that, that George Lucas articulates and we yearn for is already being made present <laughs> and, and, and for us and available. And I, I want to get excited about it. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to I I know the Holy Spirit. I want his work to be the work that, that, that I'm stewarding, that we're stewarding, that's happening in me as I'm talking and, and walking back and forth, and, and it's happening in you as you're listening and digesting and trying to understand what this nut's talking about. The Holy Spirit be present. Now, you know, it's funny because in the Christian tradition and in the Christian story and in the Christian culture, we tend to, we tend to seems. Um, divide over this question. Well, we're Presbyterians, so what are we talking about the Holy Spirit for, right? That's the proper domain or the proper purview or the proper kind of emphasis of a different part of the faith. Maybe it's uh, charismatics, or as some of us will call them, the charismaniacs, and, and their desire to constantly be filled with the Spirit and talk about the Spirit. But what a, what a shame that we would even think that way. What a, what a terrible travesty has happened. 
Something has happened, even in my tradition that I come out of, with its, with its tremendous academic and, 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 and uh, gifts, that it has somehow wandered away from a basic, mystical, present need of an inexhaustible energy to be who I am. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how have we been robbed of that? Well, how, how, how do we let somebody come in and steal these, this jewel? Because in, the, in, the, in our tradition, sovereignty is everything, right? God is king, and he sovereignly calls, and he sovereignly moves, and he foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. And the fact that I'm here speaking, and the fact that you're sitting and listening, is one of the works of his mere good pleasure. As he works things in accordance with the counsel of his will. Well, who do you think's doing the working? In other words, if we would claim a sovereign God, and we claim in the Presbyterian tradition and Reformed thinking and reach into the scriptures for a God who orders things and has been at work in the world, then we're talking about the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit, aren't we? I mean, isn't that then the basic premise? Isn't that, and in fact, the uh, charismatics or, or any tradition should have nothing on us, nothing. We should be the great charismatics. Because we believe in the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit is the only way you will have energy for living the Christian life or knowing God. Praise Him. I want to. I want to. I want to get my. I want to plunge into this. I want this Holy Spirit present. I want to. I want to know Him and know how to think about Him. So uh, as we do this, we're here looking at the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, and you can, uh, it's available online, but we looked at this, at this threefold work of the Spirit uh, on, on sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I think we got great fruit out of it. I thought the Holy Spirit was present last week as we unearthed and kind of opened up these three things. But these three things, in usual Johannine fashion, the author has a wonderful textual intention. He's an careful author, uh, even as he claims to be speaking by the Holy Spirit. And as a careful author, I want you to notice that this threefold conviction, he, where he convicts the world, this threefold conviction then is answered by a threefold declaration. In these, in these few verses here from Fort, from uh, uh, 13 on, you see he will declare, he will declare, he will declare, you see. And that, that, that is actually an art, that's actually a, um, what I'm trying to say is, a, uh, is, inten- is an intentional structure to the text so that you can see it, so you can recognize it, so you, you can appreciate it and you can remember it more clearly. It has a mnemonic gift as well as a comprehensive one. But, but what I'm interested in here is, is how this sovereign, uh, uh, kind of planting our feet, planting our minds, planting our hearts in a concept that it is, it is the work of the Spirit that, it, that is operative now in the age of the church. It is the work of the Spirit. Look at, look at all the things He does. It is His sovereign work. He will guide. He will speak. He will glorify. He will take. He, it's all the Holy Spirit. Praise Him. You see, that's why I thought it was essential that I, that I stand here in that moment. I don't usually just pray right before somebody else has prayed. I'm not trying to reduplicate and correct Corey's prayers. And I'm not trying to do that. But I'm trying to illustrate and, and actually living in my heart in a sense that, wait a second, I will not be animated or equipped or able or able to speak with life if the Holy Spirit is not doing that. If I'm not animated by an inexhaustible energy. And you, likewise, in your, as you're sitting there, We'll, we'll find this either distracting or, or confusing or otherwise, if not, if you don't have what? 
If we don't, if you're not active, if he's not declaring it to you, it's his work. It's his work we're depending on here. It's his work we're looking for. It's his work we're asking for. And there's this wonderful way that the Holy Spirit is presented to us as sovereign and mighty to save. Sovereign and mighty to glorify and lead us and be the one speaking. Praise him. Ah, there's a moment here that we, if we, we hold on to it, if we grab it, there's a moment of real joy and real freedom for the children of God. He is sovereign and mighty. Wow, it's all him. Praise him. In this way, we, we answer the question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is what? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. How shall we do the primary purpose for which we were created? And it's animated only by the Holy Spirit. Praise him. And so you'll see this work wonderfully here in Mark 13, 11. So, so as, as Christ sends out his disciples, he makes the point, I am sovereign and mighty in your words. This is a wonderful comfort to us as, who believe. This idea that pregnant, you know, don't, public speaking is rated as the number one fear, the number one fear of all people. I, it's, it's, it, it wins by a mile. It, people are terrified at the idea of having to speak publicly or having to speak. And, then this right, that, and this is addressing that fear as it existed and lived in the 12 disciples. They had the 12 apostles. They, 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 they struggled with that fear. They were afraid. You know, Paul sometimes asks for prayer for courage, right? He, he does. He says, pray that I may be bold in preaching the gospel as I ought to be. Who prays for courage? Somebody who isn't feeling courageous. You know, we, we ought to hear deeply in these prayers that there's a real need. And, and, and Paul believes he only acts by the Holy Spirit. Mighty to work. Mighty to do everything. Mighty here to speak. And this is what I want to do. I want to be not me speaking. Please, Father. I pray it even right now in your presence. Not me, but you who speaks by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And amen. Even as we encounter this, we encounter something wonderful. Now, we've been looking at this, so you, as you're joining us, we've been looking at that, that the Holy Spirit everywhere uses names and has names that are very meek. What's he called? He's called the helper. He uses the name spirit, wind, breath. It's, what is written in breath? It's nothing. It's insubstantial. You see, you see, he, he, is the, he, he positions himself in glorious sort of tenderness for the children of God. So we come across not only an invitation to be captured in his power and to be animated only by him, as if all is his work, but what do we learn also? That he is so humble, he can be squished. I, I don't know, it, 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 to me this sounds like Jesus who didn't answer, who didn't answer his accusers. Remember he goes as a lamb to be slaughtered. He his whole position was not to arrogate, not to, not, to, not to claim, not to live in power, but to surrender that power. And then, it, and, 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 and as he's doing that, don't you see the Holy Spirit's doing the same, he has the same heart, you see. He presents himself as inexhaustible energy to save and to rescue and to speak and to guide and to glorify. And then says, but if you don't want me, he just was pushed almost by like a feather touch. No, I don't want that. Like, you, haven't you ever done that? Just don't, I don't want that conviction. I'd rather do what I want to do right now. Think what I want to think. I'd rather indulge in my anger. I'd rather celebrate my lust. I'd rather, who knows? 
And, we, and so this is, this is marvelous in a sense, isn't it? Isn't there something about our Savior, about our God, and about our Lord, which mimics just utter servanthood to us and for us? Praise Him. Well, this, this, this tension here, this, these actually almost look like opposites, as it were. They're antinomies. I mean, here, here the Holy Spirit is totally in control. Here, it seems as if you're in control, uh, is really a place we need to live in both senses. In both senses, in, 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 let me put it this way. Both of these truths create the same reaction, need for the Spirit. You see, they, they, they both create the same result, a need to be available and to deeply trust the Holy Spirit. You see? They both point to the same action in our lives. And as I've encouraged you again, I encourage you again today, that one of the pivotal marked points for me in ministry some 30 years ago, frustrated and discouraged beyond my mind, just wanting to think that this ministry, the idea of ministry is a terrible, terrible idea, and nobody should have ever signed up for this, and wanting to run away and thinking, I don't know what to do next, I remember the moment, the quiet moment. I've been, it was uh, Jack Milner at the time, a great preacher at the time, uh, talking about how he himself had learned every day to say, Father, and sometimes no more. Sometimes not having the power. And I had, that was like this. I had no power to even ask for more. You ever been there? And no power to even ask for more, believe for more. But to ask this, would you give me the Holy Spirit? I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll double down I, as, I, as I grew, as that, that started to build a crescendo. It started to build a, a new passion in preaching. It started to build a new effectiveness in the pulpit and evangelism that I had never tasted before. And I had never understood because I had always worked so hard in these things, but they never borne fruit. But now it seemed like with the Spirit, things were flowering in ways I couldn't even understand. And where, where it all looked like hard ground before, it was soft and tender, and things were happening. Why? Because of the, an availability, a trust, a confidence in the Holy Spirit. Let me push this a step further, how we should react to this. And that is stepping out now. And this is an invitation to step out. Don't quench. Quenching is when we refuse to step out, isn't it? It's refuse to act, but I would say dare to do what is uncomfortable in love and in declaration all around you. Ben, there are things you don't want to say or don't want to say to your family, don't want to say at a workplace, don't want to say at lunch, are afraid to say with friends. Look, there's a harsh forbidding in this climate, in this culture, in this city that you don't give me your religion or you don't give, but how do, so how do we do it? Oh, we're afraid. And, and sometimes rightly so. But, but don't you hear it? That, that's the quenching there, the resisting. What are we being invited into? And where will you see the Spirit? Where will you begin to have the double, the double portion, the overflow, the invasion of His Spirit energizing you? It's when you stop wondering if you want to do the will of God and you simply do the will of God. How many of you go to the scriptures and you go, well, when I figure out the will of God, and if I see the will of God about my mouth or my heart or my actions or what I do and what I love, and then you think, when I get the data, I'll make a judgment. <laughs> that's not the way to approach God. It's not the way to approach Christ, and it does not, that's not the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit say? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You see? 
It's this immediate, trusting, amazing availability that simply goes, doesn't look down to see if the ground's firm anymore, but just looks straight ahead at the Lord and at the vision of Christ and obedience and simply goes, I will keep walking. I am not, I will walk in confidence because he will be with me to speak. In other words, you need to go and do things you don't want to do and dare to do them. You know what's going to start happening? Oh, I can feel it. You know, the unquenching, the untrampling, the unsquishing of the Holy Spirit. For where you will dare in obedience with your mouth and your heart, guess who's going to show up right at that moment? Where you will say and be and be in a place you didn't think you could be, saying things you didn't think you could say, and you will dare to do it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is one of those moments where it feels like you're stepping out into space, and he's right there. He's right there, firm, available, in exhaustible, for he is the one who declares. Boy, can you, hear, can, you hear the, can you hear the conviction about all the times and moments when you have resisted being available and trusting like that? Yeah, I can. I know I can for myself. Just let not be a people who quench the Spirit. Ah, oh, I get excited. The Holy Spirit declares. Ah, he respond to that tenderness in him, that tenderness that's of him and that humility with your own humility, right? Let's out-humble the Holy Spirit then. <laughs> if he will humble himself to be quenched, let's say we will humble ourselves to only be filled and only hope in the filling. Praise him. I want to push you further further because that's, that's that declaring just kind of getting out of the front. Many of you will go, if you, if you know your theology, if you're, if you're well-versed, you'll be like, gosh, Chris, this is pretty basic, and I would respond, it's only basic if you've gotten it, and you're out there doing it. But uh, let's go into now two questions, the what and the how. The what and the how. Let's go to the what. Right here, we have, an, we have a pro- prophetic utterance of Christ. Now, right here, he says, you will guide you. He's talking to the apostles, fitly so. You into all the truth, all truth. Let's see that all, the comprehensive concept of truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. He, whatever he hears, he'll speak. He's transmitting. He's trans, the transmission point uh, uh, for, for, for God's word. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. What's this talking about? Well, it's talking about the rest of the New Testament. <laughs> what is it talking about? It's talking about Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, all of them. That's what it's talking about. It's the promise of something to come. Now, there, it's very popular in this day to say, I like Jesus, I don't like Paul. And I've heard this before. I've heard it from people who should know better. I like Jesus, I don't like Paul. G- uh, Paul's a misanthrope, or Paul's this. Or, Jesus is the one I love. Such a, such a distinction the scriptures do not know, and neither does the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a huge mistake. In fact, many of you often wonder where should I start in the Bible or how should I start to really get into the scripture. I'll tell you, it's probably a good idea to start with these with the epistles, with the with the letters, because they are full of the mind of Christ. There is mind in his heart, and, you can, and then there are doorway into all the Old Testament, all of, which, which is also claims, this same claim. Now, what is the claim here? It is the claim of inspiration. 
When we use that word, the scriptures are inspired, we're using the language of Holy Spirit language. It's Holy Spirit's right there, panoustos. In fact, Paul, in his creativity, creates a word that is not recorded anywhere in any of the ancient Greek manuscripts we have across the pagan world. Theopanoustos, God's breath, God's spirit. That's one of the words for the Holy Spirit. It's panoustos, and it's right there in 2 Timothy 3.16. Well, let's talk about the what here. What is this what? First, the what is David himself in the Holy Spirit said, the Lord said to my Lord. I want you to notice two things here. What does uh, that the Old Testament claims the same sort of inspiring word, the same presence and animation of the Holy Spirit as the new. Do not say, we must learn to hear that all of God's words in in the Old Testament are our possession. They're the words of the Spirit. They're the words by the Spirit. Sometimes we will tend to think or tend to imagine or make distinctions that the New Testament's more spiritual than the old. That's a fable. It's a falsehood. And it robs you. Those kinds of flies rob you of joy. They rob you of life. And so, and so I love this because what, what, this is Christ talking. And Christ is, and Christ is now telling us that himself, Christ himself is telling us that when David wrote, how did he write? By the Holy. This is the doctrine of inspiration. The doctrine of the inspiration of the Holy Scripture and its inerrancy, its, its lack of error, and its possibility of error is gone. What's the second thing that this tells us? That it, the point of the, of the Scriptures is what? To reveal Jesus. This is about Jesus. The Lord said to my Lord, they, uh, Christ claims this as a promise about him. And, th- and then when we get to t- 2 Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And this is that theopanoustos word right here, this God's breath word. What, what does the Spirit declare? Well, he declares the Bible. Uh, I, 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 uh, he declares the Bible. Let, let's, let's even move, because often we talk about the Holy Spirit, we think we're talking about something kind of subjective, maybe a little bit more touchy-feely, a little more emotional, you know, like this is, this is how the Holy Spirit makes me feel, you know. I, I sometimes we'll say, I felt the Holy Spirit, and became, we're describing a feeling of joy and rapture and, 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 and exaltation, maybe some ecstatic kind of experience. Amen, I want those things. They're beautiful things. They're, they're gifts from him, right? But that's not only what he does. In fact, those subjective experiences are built on something very what? Objective. Nowhere is that captured more beautifully than 1 Corinthians 14.1. Where we brought pursue love. He's just done the story. Well, this is going to become very important in our next point. But pursuing love, in other words, in the, in the chase to love and to give my whole life for others, what should I be doing? Earnestly desiring, earnestly seeking, earnestly making it a, a priority. That's what earnest desire is. A number one priority, what? For spiritual gifts. And one gift comes out in front, and it's prophecy. Oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, no, Chris. I thought I came to a Presbyterian church so I wouldn't have to hear about prophecy. But that, but that don't you see that what a, narrow, what a narrow view that is of this wondrous work of Jesus? Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm prophesying. Do you know when, when Gary was sharing the word with me recently and I was kind of down in the dumps, he was sharing to me hope in, in, in the Lord and he's quoting script. You know what he's doing? He's prophesying. For prophecy is first and foremost the foretelling of truth. 
the foretelling, foretelling of truth, not the foretelling of the future. It is the foretelling. It is the announcement, it is the declaration of truth that we're supposed to earnestly be seeking, you see. And, and, and we can be earnestly want if we know our scriptures. All right, so, so I'm going to come back to a, something that you probably are tired of pastors telling you. Would you read your Bible, please? No, no, go further than that. Would you, would you meditate and, and memorize? Why, 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 why? Well, we're experiencing this in the study, in our study in Romans, where we have decided to not move ahead on a clause, not move ahead on a verse, not move ahead on an idea until we have known what it means for us and why God has thought it. That's how you ought to read Scripture. Because you need God's thinking to replace your thinking. <laughs> As we would say, as sometimes it says in AA, you need to get rid of your stinking thinking. I don't know if you've ever heard that, your stinking thinking. And those are, those, uh, they're trying to get rid of all the self-abuse or self-hatred that's in you, or there's no forgiveness or fear controls you. That's all called stinking thinking. Well, honestly, 99% of what humanity creates on any given day on the internet is, is stinking thinking, isn't it? <laughs> It's just so many ideas and so many different, and the competition of ideas can seem insane. Which way to go? What shall I know? Chris, I get so confused. Settle down. Take a deep breath and seek to think God's thoughts after him. Think, seek to think the way he thinks. You see, I'm intrigued. And what did, we, what did we discover in Romans? What did we discover, Corey, this Thursday night? What did we discover in our time in the, in the Word? Oh, my goodness. God's thinking isn't like our thinking, is it? God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. They're way, they're way above them, as Isaiah tells us. That, that we, and that we are challenged and reinvigorated and reordered in our thinking. And there's freedom and there's life here, guys. There's freedom and life to see. There's new, like you suddenly see things as they really are. You start to identify, oh my goodness, I, I get it. Well, the second part of that is don't go to the scripture without crying out for the Holy Spirit. How many of you like writer interviews or director interviews? Uh, you know, it's kind of fun to watch George Lucas's commentary, kind of, uh, uh, on, on what he created in Star Wars, right? And we, 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 because when we go to the author and we listen to the author and we listen to the writer, we discover, oh, there's this intention and that intention and this purpose and, and this idea was influencing him. Well, what is the Holy Spirit but the writer saying, hey, you want access to the writer? Ask for me <laughs> when you go to your Bible. Your Bible, for many of you, has seemed forbidding and inaccessible. That some, some, somehow ideas that don't translate to you from a different culture in a different time. And certainly, it has some of those qualities. It's one of the reasons why we come here, where we come to seek people who, for whom the Holy Spirit is working in a, in a way that he doesn't always work in us. But let me tell you something. In our Bible says you're a great example. And I guess this is an advertisement for you to hasten on down to my house or to Corey's and, and do this. Is because what we have discovered, what I have discovered, is I'll be sitting in a study, and Lindsay will be the one who has the insight. And that's what I'm waiting for. Or it'd be Cedric. Cedric. Cedric's one of our new believers. And that boy has more insight into the Bible than most preachers. How? He's only been a Christian for a year because all he does is read the word. And if you ever get his texts, that's all he does is send you Bible passages. And it's kind of funny. Whenever he doesn't send a Bible passage, I'm not as fed by it. I was like, yeah, that's okay. But every time it's a word from the Lord, every time it's a little section of scripture, you know what? It's life. It's, it's bringing life to him. You know, uh, you know uh, I think it's in Psalm 119, uh, the, the, the poet says, I am wiser than all my teachers. You can be wiser than all your teachers, you know, wiser than me. 
if you're available to the Spirit, to the writer, and ask the writer to give you the inside scoop on that truth and apply that truth to you. You see, we both need to understand. Remember, understanding is faith's reward by the Holy Spirit. Augustine wrote that. Understanding is faith's reward. When you have faith, understanding follows. But what? Only by the Holy Spirit. If you seek a reward today, then as you're sitting there, ask for the Holy Spirit to take these truths and seal them to you and explain them. He will do better than me. Praise him. He'll do so far much better than me. And he will make available this truth to you. Trust him. Pray for, pray for his presence and his work. When we are here, and I am here, and I am hoping to think God's thoughts after him. How what the power of memorization means is, in one sense, is why I know many of us are slow to memorize because, we're, because we just say it's so hard to do and so difficult. And I, it can be difficult, but it's just another example of how wild and untamed our minds are <laughs> and how much we need other thinking. Because many of us are able to sing whole, whole songs by Maroon 5 or others unerringly without missing a beat or a syllable, and yet we don't know our scriptures. And so you see that, you see there's a battle going on for your mind and heart here, a battle for your thinking, a battle for how you feel about sex or how you feel about money or how you feel about success or how you feel about your own, your own worth, and it's being waged in media, it's being waged everywhere. People want to capture your thinking. Let your every thought you have be captured by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you see. Let it be captured by it. And you will experience a new thinking. You will begin to think God's thoughts after him. And you will be a bit surprised at what you start thinking. Man, interview with the writer. The spirit will come and he will come. Uh, he will come. So that's what he does. He does the Bible. Boy, it didn't really sound all that cool, did it? It wasn't all that, ooh, I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have some sort of special dynamic gift. I want to, you know, whatever. It's so, it's so ordinary. And that makes it beautiful because don't you feel just kind of ordinary? I know I do. You just feel kind of ordinary. You have an ordinary life and you got to get through an ordinary day with ordinary stuff. And, and this is a very ordinary idea. And that that book of yours that you feel so dusty could come to life in your hands by the power of the Holy Spirit. You would be surprised. You'll be surprised. You'll be amazed. It's really there for you. And it could happen. But I am concerned not a bit merely about this. I'm concerned about the how. Uh, I went to Wheaton College, and in Wheaton, that was my first exposure to broad evangelicalism. I had come to faith uh, in a, uh, uh, out of a family that was uh, 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 riddled with drugs and, and everything like that and all sorts of wickedness. So I come to, when I came to Wheaton, I, I, was, I was thinking I was going to I was going to come into the kingdom. Well, that's a whole, I'll tell you a whole question about what happened to there. But uh, I was a little in for a little surprise, let's put it that way. But one of the things I learned was, is if you knew your Bible and you knew the truth, you could really beat people up with it. You could win our, I mean, you just, you demolish people. Man, I just, I, I, come on, come takers. I would love it. I love it so many come to me because I could beat them. Because I had been well-trained. I had learned my catechisms. I had read Burkhoff's Systematics and others. I was, I, was, I was able to be articulate. And I was terrifying. It's small wonder I never led anybody to Christ. Small wonder I never had any suasive uh, victory of grace with anybody in my life. Well, I because to me, these were ideas that I could win with. You know? Come again? Ego. Ego. Thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. And that is a good description of me. Pure ego. But look how tender Jesus is. You see, he has a lot of things to say. There's a lot. He could say so much, but what does he say? You cannot bear them now. That is the, oh, that's the Holy That's tenderness. And you know, it's funny. I, there's a bunch of things I'm saying right now, and there's a lot of something you can't bear. And you won't even hear them, in a sense. You aren't even ready to hear them. You know? and, and, and what we need is the Holy Spirit to, to really invade at that moment so that we are able to hear. And, and let, me, let me give you a great example of this, one of those beautiful texts in it. It's, it's the calling of Ezekiel. So Ezekiel gets called, and whenever Ezekiel gets called by God or encounters God, he's just seen this vision of glory where God and the wheels and the eyes, and, and it's the trippiest part of the whole Bible. This Ephesians 1, it's, it feels like somebody's on acid. It really does. But it's wild. It's like nothing you've ever read, read before. So he sees this wonder. He sees this wonder. And every time he gets commissioned, though, something very specific in the language of the Hebrew happens. It says God lifted him by the head. And this is what happened. And, then, and he took me and he sent me down. There's always this idea of God like doing things to Ezekiel that Ezekiel has no control over. I want you to hear this. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Now, the Almighty says that because he's obviously already face down. He's terrified. He's, he doesn't, he's out of his mind with terror and fear. You know, it's interesting. Even as he describes the glory of God, he keeps using the word like over and over again because he doesn't even know how to quite describe it. And in fact, he's a good Jew. He knows that no man can see God's face and live. How is he going to stand and speak to God? This shouldn't be happening. But what the, what's, what's the beautiful language? And the, he spoke to me. What happened? The spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him. Before, it was just a roar. Before, it was a roar, like the sound of many waters. What does it become here? I, what is the Spirit doing? He's equipping people to hear you, to hear his words. What am I trying to say? You are not the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be. Well, I'm telling you, it's very easy to want to get in there and manipulate somebody or say the right words or think you've got to position scripture in a way, I'm going to get them. I'm going to, I, I need to convict this person. Now, do you remember in the text, who does the convicting? The Holy Spirit. What, what was I doing at Wheaton? What was I doing in this desire to win by having truth? I was, I was thinking, I'm the convictor. Get out of my way. You should have heard me when I first started preaching. Good grief. You think I'm excitable now. Holy cow. I would tell people, I had this idea in my head that I had to find the jugular in any particular people and I had to pounce. And of course, all I did was anger congregations. I actually had a congregation get so angry they complained to the seminary about me. You know how humiliating that was? You know, because I, I, I spoke with rhetorical flourish. I was direct, but I thought I'm, I'm speaking for God. I'm here to convict. No, you're not. I'm not here to convict you. The Holy Spirit does that work. I'm here to preach truth and to preach the word. I'm here to prophesy. <laughs> I'm here to prophesy. I want you to earnestly prophesy with me. But it is not my responsibility what you do when you walk out this door. It is not, I, have not, I am not the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, oh, what a relief. <sighs> but this brings us to another how that we need to evaluate. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
and let those be the character of your every word by the Spirit. Look, many of us will say, uh, what am I getting at here? Uh, don't you ever get, don't, uh, do you have friends? Or do you, do you know somebody who's just a Christian Mr. Fix-It? Or, or a Christian Mrs. Fix-It? And that person, it seems like they've got a little toolkit in their hands and they want to come and help you. Oh, are you suffering? Well, here, oh, Romans 8, 28. <laughs> God works all things together for good for those who love me or call according to his purpose. See, you shouldn't be worried. Stop worrying. And then and, uh, in it, and, and, and it, it, what kind of a taste does it leave in your mouth? What kind of response do you, maybe you were that person. What kind of response did you get? <laughs> you get people just kind of, they resist you. They resist it. They resist this desire that we have to somehow use God's word to, to look good or to, or to look like the one who has answers. Uh, it's very tempting for me as a preacher, right? To have the word of God always ready, always ready to be, I'm, I'm Bible answer man, come to the rescue. And, 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 and that heroic posture just looks, it rings false, doesn't it? Why? Because the very character, if we would speak words of the spirit of truth, words of judgment to this generation, words of life about the cross, words of life about the blood of Jesus, words of life about repentance and forgiveness, we need to do it in a certain way. That is the character of the Holy Spirit ought to tenor and color the very tone of our words. So that when you tell somebody they're going to hell, you do it in a loving, joyful, peaceful, patient kind. You get my meaning. I'm not trying to be smart, smart here. But there are things we say to people that they don't want to hear or they may not be able to hear. Timing is very important here. I think Holy Spirit timing and listening for timing when people are available. I'll give you an example. This very, this very week, I've been praying and praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with Tal's family, with my wife's family. And I don't know always how to do it because they're not really, they don't seem interested. So I just cast seed out, bam, bam, and just never, nothing ever happens. And I was just doing, and I was meeting with Andrew this week, and I was casting seed. And all of a sudden, he turns around, and he asked me a question. I was kind of startled. Like, what? What? He's actually asking me a question about this. Thank you, Father. You see? We're being present with the Word of God, but looking for the moments and the places where the seed begins to sprout a little bit. What is that? That's patient, loving, caring love over, and shepherd over people as we are sharing. That's Holy Spirit work in Holy Spirit words because they have to go together, don't they? You can't claim to have Holy Spirit words without a Holy Spirit style or character to your preaching and your teaching or your prophesying because you're called to go out and prophesy. Because you see, this text is all going somewhere that, that it's sometimes we don't see. Every one of these views, every one in the text, English fails us. It does. The English language fails us right here. It fails us because it doesn't have a second person plural. And we can hear these texts and we can hear them and we think, oh, this is about my personal faith. No, it's about our corporate faith. And this will only be known and realized and actualized as we are a part of a body, a living body, a Holy Spirit body, and a Holy Spirit building. Yeah, like the cowboy junkies weren't, 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 weren't wrong. He's got a Holy Ghost building. I want to be a part of a Holy Ghost structure. And that's a part of this. So that our declaring from here from, and inviting people to church, that's a part of being a part of that declaring. It's, just, it's the invitation of friendship and love. This is not a place where they're going to get clobbered. This is a place where they're going to be loved. This is a place where they're going to be received. 
And they're going to hear things like what I'm saying. And I'll tell you, a lot of non-believers who'd hear this and go, well, you know, I, if Christians approached me that way, I may have listened a long time ago. Trust me. A lot of the world has experienced us without the Holy Spirit, hasn't it? It has experienced us without the Holy Spirit. We experienced our opinions, not the Holy Spirit truth. We experienced our, our frustrations and not Holy Spirit love and joy and patience. And listen to that, gentleness. Mm. And that's one of the things I, I pray for and you should pray for for me, that the Holy Spirit would continue to make me gentle. And I'm not in my nature in that gentle. Just not. Never have been. So, what's my point here? Uh, I don't know. Look, all right, here, 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 here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Underneath you, we are floating. We are, we are, we are working. This is all happening. On my voice, you're listening. Our praising, our praying, our worship. It's all happening. But we're all kind of unaware that we're sitting on a reservoir of extraordinary energy. I'm an extraordinary person is available, humbly available, to ignite and create change in your heart and in hearts of people around you. And it is, it is available, it is present at this very moment in the sound of my voice. And I preach it to you and declare it to you by the authority of the Spirit. What, get your, what are you all sitting there slouching for? Get your seatbelts on. Why don't, you have a, why don't you have a crash helmet on? We've asked for a, the holy God to come with fire and fill this place. Are you ready? Is that, isn't that what you really wanted? It's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I think when faced with the idolatry and evil of this generation, it's our only hope. Let's pray. Dearest Father, we thank you for your word and for the Spirit. We thank you for how gentle and humble you are in all your amazing greatness and splendor. And yet you are so gentle that you whisper to us and you whisper your availability if we will only trust and step out in faith. Father, would you do that work among us? Help us to hear. Father, we need... We need, a new, we need a new love for your Bible and new word, love for your words. Father, Father, will you create in us a willing spirit to think your thoughts after you? And then, Father, will you make us a people that love like the Spirit loves? Oh, it'd be so sweet, Father, to see in this generation, in this time, in this city, in this hour, the outpouring, the filling, even the double portion of the Holy Spirit. We come to and ask for nothing less than this in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body which is for you, take and eat. And in the same way, after dinner, he took a cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is the cup of the covenant. Take and drink. Do this and remember me. 
We believe, and we believe the Scripture teaches, that the Holy Spirit invades and permeates and works and delivers His truth in this bread, little cracker, and this wine, or the juice, if you prefer it, on the left, even though this is gluten-free. Our hope isn't in what this is, is it? Our hope is in the Spirit that we have by faith. I am merely speaking to you words of Scripture. And this, this is one of those tender places where you get to feel how real it is. Right? You get to taste it. You get to know that God is this real and the Spirit is this real. And He would actually invade our flesh. And like this will become my fingers and toes and hair. Let the Holy Spirit become your life being. So I, this table's open. Who is this table open to? Every sinner whose faith and hope is in Jesus Christ to make them a saint. <laughs> Every sinner who says, I'm a sinner and God is a lover and I have the Holy Spirit by Jesus <laughs> and he gives me Jesus. This is your table then. And take, I want you, you know what? We should be, we should be like be a race. We should be trying to get, get me to that table. Uh, you know, because this is our, this is why we do it every week. So we get to take home how immediate and applicable this is. Ah, uh, but you know, let me forbid you too. I, uh, look, I just opened a door that no man can shut. Well, let me shut a door that no man can open. If you think you're a good person, this isn't your table. See, if you think you're a good woman, or you think you imagine you're a good man, your imagination has robbed you of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit reveals us for what we are, and then tells us what we have in Him. <laughs> so good people are barred from the table, and sinners are welcome. Isn't that a wonderful story? Isn't that the story that this, ah, oh, may the Holy Spirit quiff us to always hear it and many more to hear it <laughs> in Jesus' name. You know, some of you may be skeptics. And, and when I talk about the Holy Spirit and this holy God who can penetrate and move in the will of man, well, I would say if you're a skeptic, I dare you. I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit and see what happens. You may be quite surprised. All right, so let us, uh, right now we're going, to, we're going to worship in this meal and then we'll be done. Let's please stand. Uh, we're going to proclaim the mystery of faith and then we are going to proclaim the Apostles' Creed. We do ask you to assent to the Apostles' Creed as, as events happening in space and time. These are not myths. That's how we receive and believe them and we ask you to believe that too if you come, guests included. And, um, and uh, we're going to do the mystery of faith, then the Apostles' Creed. Then we're going to, as we're singing, uh, be thou my vision. It's such a beautiful, beautiful. Oh, don't you want God, don't you want Christ, this God to be our vision as we come to this table? Well, we'll be singing that. As we're singing it, uh, come to the table, take uh, either wine or grape juice and the bread back to your seat, and then we'll take it together at the end and, and uh, glorify God with a final doxology and, and get blessed. All right, uh, tell me, uh, uh, let's proclaim together uh, with joy the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ shall come again, praise Him. Tell me, Christian, what, what do we believe? We believe God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.